global business news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Radio Plus mobile app, and on your radio. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. From Bloomberg World Headquarters, I'm Charlie Pellet. Stocks are trading lower, and this update is brought to you by Brooks Brothers Big Event. Their semi-annual sale is going on now through June 28th. Shop early for the best selection. Visit brooksbrothers.com to shop the entire collection or to find the location closest to you. S&P 500 index moving lower by 7 points to 2,088, a drop of 4 tenths of 1%. Dow Industrials down 59, a drop of 3 tenths of 1%. NASDAQ down 24, a drop of 5 tenths of 1%. Tenure up 6.30 seconds, yield there 1.61%. Gold up $10.10 the ounce to 12.86, a gain of 8 tenths of 1%. Crude oil down uh, 24 cents, 48.83 on West Texas Intermediate. That is a drop of five-tenths of one percent. I'm Charlie Pellet, and that's a Bloomberg Business Flash. You're listening to Taking Stock with Pim Fox and Kathleen Hayes on Bloomberg Radio. Microsoft, in what is by far the largest acquisition in the company's history, said it has reached a deal to purchase LinkedIn. That's the professional social networking company. Price tag $26.2 billion in cash. Here to tell us more, Anurag Rana. He is our senior analyst of software and IT services for Bloomberg Intelligence, providing unique real-time research and context on a variety of industries and all the markets and government factors that affect business. Our terminal customers can access this function. Just type BIGO on the Bloomberg. Anurag, why is Microsoft buying a social networking company? I think that's the first thing we saw this morning and uh, thought this, you know, thought about the same um, you could say conundrum that almost everybody had. But, you know, when you look at this thing, Microsoft is is looking at to expand in two areas, so cloud and mobile. They're, those are the two uh, things I've always talked about ever since the new CEO came on. And within the cloud, they already have a good handle on the infrastructure services. They have a good handle on platform as a services where they were really behind is cloud applications, something that um, Salesforce sells, Workday sells. But when you look at something like a LinkedIn, you can start using this as a as, as a software where people can look at prospect in their their clients their uh, you know if they want to hire somebody so you can bypass the the custom applications um you know through this particular uh, avenue that's that's one way of looking at it and it's by far their of the five biggest deals i mean it's by far the biggest right it yeah. is you know looking at skype or nokia or others uh but for linkedin obviously Somebody's making a lot of money. But besides that, in terms of their business model and how they grow the company and how, you know, they, they mesh with Microsoft, what does it mean for them? See, one of the things they, they said, and they talked about this being, you know, trying to get into the CRM space a couple of years ago. Um, they had some little bit of a hiccups over there in that area. They, the stock really got, you know, beaten up over the last few months. And, you know, one could argue with Microsoft's, uh, under the Microsoft umbrella or their backing or the financial might, the distribution network, they can possibly achieve what they want, uh, you know, far better under Microsoft than they were, uh, they, they, they could do as an independent company. Now, I'm just looking at the details for LinkedIn, about $3 billion in revenue, correct? And we're talking about net income of, oops, 
it doesn't have any net income. So what is Microsoft going to bring to the party that will turn this into a profit-making enterprise? See, as, as you remember, Microsoft is one of the companies that provides legacy software. It's been around for ages. The question is, how does it be an enterprise company for the next 10 years? And you have a lot of these Internet-based companies that are trying to um, – you know, in, increase their network, increase their product portfolio, and Microsoft can help them with that regard. And this company helps Microsoft of trying to give products that are more relevant for the next generation. I don't think you want to look at it from an accretive point of view or a financial point of view uh, at this point to see whether it strategically fits with the company or not, and then go out and examine two to three years from now to see how it's done financially. Well, and it's uh, it just is. It, what does it tell us, though? I guess about uh, uh, you're, you're telling us, but I'm, I'm really trying to see them. Where is Microsoft going? Because this is a sh- – some people consider LinkedIn basically a social media site, right? Definitely it's not a technology site. It's got some technology that it's, – it's infrastructure, but it's about bringing people together. Bringing people together, absolutely, Kathleen. So think about it this way. What does Salesforce.com provide? It provides a portal for salespeople to go in and enter their records to figure out who did I talk to today? Who is my right prospect? How can I reach out to them? And have that whole history of conversation there to make sure how I close my deal. Why can't you do that with LinkedIn? If you if you are a recruiter today, why do you need a human capital management software where you want to you're looking for prospecting going out and looking for some employees for talent acquisition why don't you just go to linkedin and hire someone directly from there and then you have to think about it can you extend this platform to use it internally whether you want to monitor uh, the life of an employee ever since that person came into the firm to the point they left and left the firm does it somehow bring me closer to the microsoft brand if i'm not you know in the microsoft world otherwise but i now i'm part of linkedin I, I don't think about, I mean, I don't think that helps in that way, but it, it truly helps Microsoft case of being a little bit more relevant in the cloud world. Do you think that we're going to come back and look at this as a Nokia deal? Because, you know, I got to say, everything that you've described about LinkedIn was almost exactly what Steve Ballmer said when they acquired Nokia. The Nokia was slightly different. The, the angle over there was consumer. And, I mean, they were looking truly behind the mirror when they were doing this. This one's a lot more forward-looking. All right. Well, Anurag Rana, you're going to be staying one step ahead, so we're going to let you get back to work because you are a very busy man today. Senior Analyst of Software and IT Services for Bloomberg Intelligence, joining us in our Bloomberg 1130 studio in New York. Now we are going to Margaret Taleb. She's Senior White House Reporter. For Bloomberg Editorial, she is joining us from Hillary Clinton's speech today. So uh, she's also, I, did I say, senior White House correspondent. That's why she's in Cleveland. So, Margaret, what did Hillary Clinton say today, and how did it resonate after the Orlando shootings? Of course, a much more somber tone than what she had expected to be doing in Cleveland today. This was originally supposed to be her sort of debut battleground state appearance, you know, sort of a victory lap, but without alienating Bernie Sanders fans, et cetera. Uh, it obviously turned into something much different, a moment of silence before she took the stage. Uh, and then a message uh, that was both a gun control message and an inclusivity message, uh, but also a tough on terrorism message saying that um, – uh, 
the U.S. has to respond by taking military-style weapons off the street, that this is a call uh, to prevent the proliferation of this sort of assault weapons. Um, but at the same time that uh, Saudi Arabia and other U.S. Uh, allies and partners in the region have to do more themselves to stop funding or allowing people uh, in their own countries to, to fund radical uh, jihad um, uh, efforts, and uh, suggesting also that Donald Trump's approach is the wrong approach um, in terms of uh, talking about bans on Muslim immigration and, and that sort of thing, uh, calling for the country to return to a sort of unity spirit like there was after 9-11. That was her message today. Margaret, I wonder if you could speak to the issue of terrorism as a political debating point when it comes to the battle between Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton in the election. Certainly. Uh, I mean, when Secretary Clinton took the stage today, she said today is not about politics. <laughs> But, of course, this has become immediately about politics uh, since the Sunday, early Sunday morning shootings. Uh, both candidates today, this is dominating the dialogue and the debate. Secretary Clinton, again, using this renewal call for gun control to talk about inclusivity, support for LGBT community, and support for American Muslims. Donald Trump using this both to call on President Obama and Secretary Clinton to step down and step back and to renew calls for immigration bans uh, and surveillance of Muslims. So two really different approaches, uh, each galvanizing their bases. The political question, of course, is what does the middle of America, what do independents and moderate uh, Americans ideologically want to hear and want to, to see done from their leaders? Hmm. Well, it seems significant to me, you just mentioned this, that she's focusing on Saudi Arabia, for example, and, and allowing funding for terrorist organizations to occur. She's addressing schools that uh, radical Muslims, we would consider them radical from our point of view at least, are, are teaching kids a certain ideology. It, how hard can she drive that point home? And how far do you think that takes her with the electorate? Yeah. Politically, that's an appealing message, you know, for Americans. I, I think that uh, the, the nuance to watch for is how she addresses the threat. Today, calling it uh, radical jihadism, you don't hear her talking much about radical Islam or radical Muslims, uh, although the word jihadi certainly conveys Islam as opposed to a different religion. But uh, talking about radical jihadists, uh, Hillary Clinton is trying to calibrate this in a way where she can show, both through her experience as Secretary of State, uh, and in terms of her outlook that she is, you know, tough and willing to say tough things, uh, even to allies, uh, but at the same time that she doesn't think the right approach is, is to turn that toughness inward on all Muslim Americans, um, trying to sort of fend off what will be Republican Donald Trump's attacks on her, you know, toughness and willing to fight um, while, while still saying that she's not going to get drawn into kind of an emotional rhetorical battle. I want to thank you very much for joining us, Margaret Tullev, senior White House correspondent for Bloomberg News in Cleveland today, having attended Secretary Clinton's speech earlier in the day. And just to note, our hearts and our prayers go out to the victims and the families of the shooting in Orlando, and we also send our thoughts to the people of Orlando. You're listening to Taking Stock. I'm Pim Fox, my co-host Kathleen Hayes. You're listening to Bloomberg Radio.